Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Here we go again. Yes, it's a good thing. (laughs) I'm Jennifer Hadley, and we're talking about A Course in Miracles. Our topic today is Inviting Holy Encounters. And so just before we dive into that, I am going to say a blessing and a prayer here. I invite you to place your hand on your heart, whether you're listening live with me or later. Let's be heart-centered, heart-focused, wholehearted, wholeheartedly grateful, wholeheartedly grateful for A Course Miracles and for the love that we are, the perfection that we are, the infinite beauty that we already are. So grateful that our holiness is intact. So grateful that we can consciously attune to the high vibration of love and live a loving life. So grateful and thankful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self and to allow ourselves to forget the false and remember what's true. We come together in this way, transcending time and space, in order to consciously live A Course in Miracles, to live the teachings of love and compassion to forget separation, and to open ourselves to be receptive to the all-good that's everywhere present, omnipresent. We're grateful and thankful that we naturally share the benefits with everyone because our minds are joined. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Ah, so good. (laughs) So we're looking at the Holy Encounter, and there is a section in Chapter 8 entitled The Holy Encounter, it's Section 3. And in there, in the paragraph number 2, Jesus tells us, To fulfill the will of God perfectly is the only joy and peace that can be fully known because it is the only function that can be fully experienced. So we can fully experience the will of God and fully know the peace of God, or fully experience the peace of God by aligning with divine will. Now, in the Course, Jesus tells us that The only will that there is, is the will of God. There's no separate will, although there is the illusion of free will in the illusion. (laughs) So, when the will of God is aligned with, when we fulfill it, we will know the only joy and peace that can be fully known. And when this is accomplished, there's no other experience. We live in peace and joy. Now, he says after that, yet the wish for other experience will block its accomplishment, the accomplishment of the the alignment, because God's will cannot be forced upon you, being an experience of total willingness. So, and then he says, the Holy Spirit understands how to teach this, but you do not. That is why you need the Holy Spirit and why God gave the Holy Spirit to you. So, we are releasing our will to God's. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will, not mine. And most people find even saying that, thy will be done, 
thy will, not mine, is, is actually a cause of anxiety and fear, worry. Totally understandable, because when we're ego-identified, it does seem frightening that if we gave up our will to align with God's will, it would be a whole different experience. But if we can recognize that God's will is our will because we are of God, we're not separate from God, there is no separate will. There's only the illusion of a separate will. So if we think about it in terms of we could have a separate will in dreams and we could do whatever we like in dreams, but in waking, there's only God's will. It's a different way to think of it. Of course, our dreams are dreams within a dream, right? We're dreaming, we're awake, and then we're dreaming, we're dreaming. <laughs> now, for me, it has been extremely helpful to say I'm no longer interested in having the illusion of a separate will. I'm only interested in aligning with God's will. And God's will for me is perfect happiness. Why wouldn't I be interested in aligning with God's will? Well, we delude ourselves into thinking that aligning with God's will would not be perfect happiness. It would be perfect deprivation, that we would have to give up that which we dearly love and treasure. It's not true, but that is the illusion. So, we can say, I'm not interested in believing in illusions anymore. Holy Spirit, please remove all attraction to illusions and delusions. Let me be only attracted to that which is true, that which is real, that which is powerful, that which is love that which is my true nature and true identity that is in alignment with my very essence. Everything else, I can let it dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause. So I'm no longer interested in it, no longer attracted to it. I'm interested in experiencing perfect happiness. I think I might be able to know what perfect happiness is, but if I think that perfect happiness is the alignment of conditions, I have so much money, I have this home, I have this partner, I have these other things, then there's perfect happiness. That's not perfect happiness. That's a temporary cessation of wanting. A temporary break in the thought pattern of not having. That's not good enough for me. I don't wish to settle. I am not interested in settling at all. Hmm. I'm glad to know that. <laughs> yes. So we're opening ourselves to the holy encounter. And in paragraph 4, Jesus says, When you meet anyone, remember, it is a holy encounter. As you see another person, you will see yourself. As you see him, you will see yourself. As you treat him, you will treat yourself. As you think of him, you will think of yourself. Never forget this. For in him you will find yourself or lose yourself. Whenever two sons of God meet, they are given another chance at salvation. Do not leave anyone without giving salvation to him and receiving it yourself. For I am always there with you in remembrance of you. When you meet anyone, remember it is a holy encounter. As you see him, you will see yourself. As you treat him, you will treat yourself. As you think of him, you will think of yourself. Never forget this. 
for in him you will find yourself or lose yourself. Whenever two sons of God meet, they are given another chance at salvation. Do not leave anyone without giving salvation to him and receiving it yourself. Now, I must confess that I do not carry this with me into every encounter. I'd like to, and I'm setting that intention. So I, I carry into every encounter kindness, compassion, generosity of heart, but taking it as, ah, this is a holy encounter. This is my chance at salvation. And what is salvation? It's remembering the truth. It's awakening from the dream of separation. And the very best aid we have in this world is our relationships. This is what is helpful to us. So we say we'd like to wake up from the dream of separation. Here is a clear prescription, if you will, for waking up. How to do it. Whenever you meet anyone, remember it is a holy encounter. He goes on to say, the goal of the curriculum, regardless of the teacher you choose, is know thyself. Know thyself. And when I read this, I think of be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am God. It definitely is beneficial as a meditation practice to hold that in mind in a contemplative way and just keep holding it in mind. Be still and know I am God. Let us know ourselves as God. The goal of the curricula. <laughs> curriculum, regardless of the teacher you choose, is know yourself. Know thyself, he says. There is nothing else to seek because we are God. There's nothing else to seek. God is all there is. Very simple. Everyone is looking for himself and for the power and glory he thinks he has lost. Everyone is looking for themselves and for the power and the glory that they think they've lost. Whenever you are with anyone, you have another opportunity to find them, to find the power and the glory. Your power and glory are in him, your brother and sister, because they are yours. The ego tries to find them in yourself alone because it does not know where to look. The Holy Spirit teaches you that if you look only at yourself, you cannot find yourself because that is not what you are. We are one with all. We are one with the all in all. And so if we only look for the power and the glory within ourselves, we won't find it because it's in all. We have to go back to the unity, the oneness of all life. The ego tries to find them in yourself alone because it does not know where to look. The Holy Spirit teaches you that if you look only at yourself, you cannot find yourself because that is not what you are. Whenever you are with a brother, you are learning what you are, because you are teaching what you are. So teach only love, for that is what you are. Whenever you are with a brother, you are learning what you are, because you are teaching what you are. Your brother will respond either with pain or with joy, depending on which teacher you are following. The ego or spirit. 
Your brother will be imprisoned or released according to your decision, and so will you. Never forget your responsibility to him, because it is your responsibility to yourself. Give him his place in the kingdom, and you will have yours. So, to have, give all to all. What a challenging teaching in the sense that if we hold anything against anyone, we are keeping ourselves out of the kingdom. Everybody goes or you don't go. (laughs) Yes, yes. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When there's someone that really bothers us, really, really gets under our skin, and everybody's got those people that they find irritating. Everybody has that. I'm sure the Dalai Lama's got some folks that get on his last nerve, maybe. (laughs) So since we've all got that, We don't have to judge ourselves as particularly bad or wrong because we've got it. We've got somebody in our life that we find irksome or annoying. And some people are very much intentionally irksome and annoying. Intentionally. They have such a low opinion of themselves that they will do their darndest to convince us to agree with them and to say, it's true, you're worthless. It's true, you're not lovable. It's true, something's wrong with you. It's true, you're bad. You're too hard to love. You're not worth it. It's true, it's true, it's true. I've met so many people like that, and I have also been that person, pushing people away. Pushing, 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 pushing people away with all kinds of behavior. Because I was afraid. I was afraid. And I've seen that in so many people. Yep. What those folks have taught me and what I've learned from my own experience of my personality, which, thank God, has changed so much over the years. So much, so much. But learning from my brothers and sisters and how they push me away or push other people away, learning as a spiritual counselor, I've learned so much about people. I've had so much personal healing through my experience of being a spiritual counselor. I've realized that those people who are working so hard to convince us they're not worth anything, our salvation does lie in our loving them accepting them, joining with them, holding them in the light, seeing their Christ light as a reflection of our own. If we can't see the Christ in someone, it's understandable, it's understandable, but it's also because we don't wish to. And when we see the Christ light in someone else, we will see it more clearly in ourselves. And maybe we don't want to see that. Maybe we secretly like the idea of thinking we're bad, we're wrong, we're not good enough, we're unlovable. Because we do perpetuate these perspectives. We've carefully woven these garments of our personality and our self-perception, our perception of ourselves. I 
I've come to realize that I I just can't afford to judge somebody else. Not that I've stopped entirely. I wish I could say that, but I'm in process. Not that it has to be a process, but I'm in process. I am interested in having only holy encounters. And I am the one that makes it a holy encounter. It's up to me. It's down to me. So I can choose to have by giving all to all. Or I can choose to be deprived by withholding. Lately, I've heard so many people talking about the habit of withholding love, withholding kindness, withholding recognition and appreciation from people in order to punish them, in order to let them know, "Uh, I do not approve. No, I don't like that. Instead of just saying, could we do it this way instead? Could could I request this of you? And maybe they will, maybe they won't. But punishing and withholding, nobody's going to get what they'd like. See, the ego has such a firm belief in punishment that it it can prevent so many holy encounters. Give our brothers and sisters their place in the kingdom and we will have ours. Not complicated, not cryptic, right there. Never forget your responsibility to your brothers and sisters because it is your responsibility to yourself. Yes. I'm going to read this last part again. Whenever you're with a brother, you are learning what you are because you are teaching what you are. This is paragraph five. He will respond either with pain or with joy, depending on which teacher you are following. Holy Spirit or ego. He will be imprisoned or released according to your decision, and so will you. Never forget your responsibility to him, because it is your responsibility to yourself. Give him his place in the kingdom, and you will have yours. Give him his place in the kingdom, and you will have yours. The kingdom, now we're on to paragraph six. The kingdom cannot be found alone, and you who are the kingdom cannot find yourself alone. To achieve the goal of the curriculum, then, you cannot listen to the ego, whose purpose is to defeat its own goal. (laughs) The ego does not know this because it does not know anything. And I would add to this, the ego has no volition. The ego is not a being or an entity. It's a thought system. So it can't know anything is correct because it's inert. It has no volition. It has no power. Only we do. Because we are of God. Think of the ego thought system like a puppet that you put your energy into and then it seems to have aliveness but it's an empty shell. When we join together with our brothers and sisters we find our way home. This is why for me being a spiritual counselor and then a spiritual teacher has helped me so much on my journey of awakening. And I'm sure it's why Spirit led me to also teach spiritual counselors. So I started doing that in 2014. 
I now have a certification program, and uh, it's quite comprehensive, and people have tremendous benefit from taking it, their own personal healing and being able to help others. One component of my spiritual counseling certification program is my spiritual counseling training intensive. And so I'm doing the intensive online this year. We start on Friday. So if you're listening to this before Friday, you could still sign up. It's online. And uh, who knows if I'll do it online again. Uh, I hope I don't ever have to do it online again because of a pandemic or some other global disaster. But that's what we're doing right now. You can get all the details for the Spiritual Counseling Training Intensive and everything else I offer at jenniferhadley.com. This month, I'm doing many things on Miraculous Family Healing and Forgiveness, and you can check all those details out on the events page at jenniferhadley.com. You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're walking the talk, we're living the love, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, living the love, walking the talk. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me again. Ah, So we're talking about inviting the holy encounter. And I don't think we can invite the holy encounter unless we understand what it is and the power of it. I don't think we're going to consciously invite the holy encounter until we see the value of it. My experience in the human realm identified with the ego off and on is that I choose the things that seem valuable to me. And in the past, it seemed valuable to me to tune out with self-medication. In the past, it seemed valuable to me to be sarcastic, to be unkind, to be withholding and things like that. So we choose what seems valuable to us, and that's what people do. And so when we're identified with the ego, we choose what is valuable in the ego thought system, and that is separation. Seeing less than and better than again and again and again. So before the break, we were looking at paragraph 6, and it begins this way. The kingdom cannot be found alone, and you who are the kingdom cannot find yourself alone. So we can't find the kingdom, which is what we are, by ourselves. We need to join with our brothers and sisters. This is what I absolutely know. It's why I love joining together. Yes, I like my alone time, but I have spent uh, the better part of the last dozen, 13, 14 years building a community so that we can join together in peace and harmony, in healing and transformation. And it's very powerful and very successful. And that's what I love. I love the joining together. Again, I love to spend time alone, but I really cherish the joining. Yes. <laughs> so no matter how much time I love to spend alone, what I love even more is the joining. Jesus goes on to say, to achieve the goal of the curriculum then... You cannot listen to the ego whose purpose is to defeat its own goal. To defeat its own goal. The ego does not know this because it does not know anything. That's right. The ego is not an entity that knows anything. The ego is a thought system of beliefs. And those beliefs are not true. 
If they were true, they would not be called beliefs. (laughs) When we talk about make-believe, we are not talking about truth. We're talking about fantasy. So beliefs are a version of fantasy, interpretation, the meaning we've made of things. So the ego does not know that its purpose is to defeat its own goal, but we can know that. He says you can know it, and you will know if you are willing to look at what the ego would make of you. This is your responsibility, because once you have really looked at it, you will accept the atonement for yourself. What other choice could you make? Having made this choice, you will understand why you once believed that when you met someone else, you thought he was someone else. And every holy encounter in which you enter fully will teach you this is not so. Every holy encounter This is me now. And every holy encounter in which you enter fully will teach you that your brothers and sisters are not someone else. They are ourselves reflected back to us. Then in paragraph 7, he says, You can encounter only part of yourself because you are part of God who is everything. His power and glory are everywhere, and you cannot be excluded from them. The ego teaches that your strength is in you alone. So this is why we think life is hard. I hear this so often. People have this really strong belief, life is hard. Now, it makes sense. I had that belief, too. My grandparents were very young in the Depression, They grew up in hard times. The Depression, followed by World War II, followed by, you know, whatever happened in their lives, it was hard. It was not easy. When there's that belief that life is hard, it feels hard. But we can let go of that belief. That's what I made an effort to do, and I gave that belief to the Holy Spirit. I made an offering of it. I said, I don't need this belief that it's hard anymore. And I don't need this belief that my brothers and sisters are separate from me anymore. I don't need that. Now I can say that I am the dreamer of the dream. I am the one who is dreaming this dream. I am the one who is dreaming my brother, my sister, this and that. I am the one who's dreaming that they don't like me because blah, blah, blah. I am the one who is dreaming that I'm not good enough. It's the story that I made up. You can encounter only part of yourself because you are part of God who is everything. His power and glory are everywhere, and you cannot be excluded from them. Let me see the power and glory of God. Let me know the power and glory of God. Let me feel the power and glory of God in me and in my relationships. It's extraordinary how it is that when we're willing we can see what we haven't seen before when we're willing. We can recognize what we were unwilling to recognize before. The scales fall from our eyes. So the ego teaches us that strength is in our selves alone, that we have to do things for ourselves, because spirit is not for us, spirit is against us because we're bad, we're guilty, we're shameful sinners. This is the perspective of the ego, that we don't deserve 
good things. We don't deserve love because we're evil, bad sinners. Our holiness would have us recognize that this is insanity and that we're already as holy as holy can be, as I say so many times, and that we are the love of God. We are the perfect presence, pure presence of God, now and forever. And if we're willing to remember that and recognize that, then everything is added unto us. Everything that we've been blocking now is available to us. It's a decision that we make. It's not a process necessarily. It's a decision that we make. And then it, it, for most of us, I think it's about recalibrating. I would love to have that Saul on the road to Damascus, hit by the blinding light of Jesus and transformed in that instant. Maybe I'd like to have that. But, and Paul was a teacher, he was a proselytizer. The transformed Saul went and spent the rest of his life spreading the word of Christ. Certainly, I'm spreading the word of Christ. And we don't know if Paul was an awakened being, but he did have the realization about the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of A Course in Miracles, uh, as as taught back then. I feel grateful for my experience, and I share my experience with the hope that it will inspire others and be meaningful to them. That's the only reason for me to share my experience. I for sure do not need to talk about my feelings and my experience. Even with my friends, a lot of the time people, you know, what's going on with you? Ah, I don't need to talk about the details because it doesn't matter. What is going on with me is I am rising up in my awareness. I am feeling lifted up. I am following the inspiration that I get. And the details just aren't that important. They don't really matter. Sometimes it makes for a good story. And if I can share a story and that's helpful, I'm so happy to do that. I'm very grateful I can. But things do change. Things do change. Uh, I used to feel a real need for people to understand me. Well, I didn't understand myself. I was looking for self-understanding, and I thought I was looking for other people to understand me. That was not a holy encounter. But when I started looking to understand my brother and my sister, when I started looking to love and respect and honor them and cherish them, then I began to have holy encounters. So the ego teaches that your strength is in you alone. The Holy Spirit teaches that all strength is in God and therefore in you. God wills no one to suffer. He does not will anyone to suffer for a wrong decision, including you. He does not will anyone to suffer for a wrong decision, including you. That is why God has given you the means for undoing it. Through God's power and glory, all your wrong decisions are undone completely, releasing you and your brother from every imprisoning thought any part of the sonship holds. Wrong decisions have no power because they are not true. The imprisonment they seem to produce is no more true than they are. I love a story that Joel Goldsmith, the great, beautiful, beautiful mystic and the formerly Christian science practitioner and then the founder of the Infinite Way teachings, he, in his book, The Art of Spiritual Healing, he tells this story, which 
I, I think is so helpful, and it's just what Jesus is talking about here in the holy encounter. He says, Goldsmith says, As children, you've all played the game where you make chalk marks, little squares on the sidewalk. Somebody chases you until you're inside one of the square boxes, and you cannot get out until you pay a forfeit. Who says you cannot get out? There's only a chalk mark there to keep you in, but the rules of the game say you must remain there, and so you do. This is good fun as long as it is a game, but would it not be tragic if the other children went home while you were in that box and did not release you, and you felt that you could not get out of the box? And yet all you would have had to do would have been to step across those lines. The master, Christ Jesus, watched people imprisoned by chalk marks, multitudes of them. They sat crippled at the gates and in the streets. But he merely looked at them and said, Wilt thou be made whole? Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And they arose and walked. They found that there was nothing hindering them. They were just obeying a rule of a rule of human life which says that under certain conditions or at a certain age a person may be paralyzed. And this they had accepted. Jesus saw the chalk mark there, and in his conviction that there was nothing hindering them, they got up and walked. To Lazarus he said, Lazarus come forth, and Lazarus came forth. What was hindering him? the rules of the game of human life. So people will continue to suffer until somebody comes along who sees that the laws of sin, disease, and lack are like chalk marks. And in his spiritual discernment asks, what did hinder you? The master told us that we must become as little children in order to accept the truth. Very often, the reason for delayed healings is the spiritual healer's inability to be childlike enough to see a white chalk line where somebody else has seen a death date or has accepted a certain period as necessary for the disease to run its course. People see three chalk marks instead of one when it is an incurable disease and they are locked more tightly than ever in their prison. An incurable disease? What could be worse than that? As a matter of actual fact, spiritual healing often has far greater success with incurable diseases than with the curable ones. Because when a doctor says, I've done all I can do, the patient gives up hope of a cure from Materia Medica. And in his hopelessness, he is receptive and responsive to the spiritual impulse. Only those white chalk marks called time, diagnoses, symptoms, or appearances can make you believe you are a prisoner of disease or sin. The only requirement for freedom is to skip across that line. And why not? What is hindering you? A belief? A theory? When you recognize it as but a belief or theory... All the white chalk lines begin to disappear out of your life because they are not there as barriers. They are there only as appearances. When my mother was diagnosed with a terminal cancer, they said she had three months to live. I didn't believe it. I could feel it was three to five years. How could I feel that? I don't really know. I could just feel it. She did live three more years. And I also got that she was complete. Regardless of what her personality said, to me, her spirit felt complete. And the three years was a gracious exit time so that those who love her could adjust. Now, going back to the Holy Encounter section here, where Jesus is saying, 
Through God's power and glory are all your wrong decisions undone completely, releasing you and your brother from every imprisoning thought. Hello, chalk mark. Any part of the sonship holds. I love that. Wrong decisions have no power because they are not true. The imprisonment they seem to produce is no more true than they are. So this is the crux of the matter right here. Are you willing to look at something that appears to be a problem? Let's say in your relationship, we're coming to Thanksgiving, and you've got issues in your family. There appears to be people who aren't speaking to each other. There appears to be people who feel betrayed. There appears to be people who are offended. All these appearances, right? All these chalk marks. Are you willing to say, None of this has any power. Through God's power and glory, all your wrong decisions are undone completely, releasing you and your brother from every imprisoning thought any part of the sonship holds. When we're willing to let go of believing that the chalk mark is real, We heal the whole sonship. This is why in every prayer, I say we share the benefits with everyone. All boats rise on the tide of love and the power and the glory. Ours is the power and the glory forever. So we made a wrong decision. We're not at peace. We can give it up. The last paragraph here, paragraph 8, it's a short section. Power and glory belong to God alone, and so do you. Woohoo! God gives whatever belongs to God because he gives of himself, and everything belongs to him. This is why I say God can't give us any more than we've already been given. God has already given us everything. There's no more to give. God does not withhold anything from anyone. We can block it, but it's not being withheld. How do we block it? With chalk marks. Chalk marks. Nothing more than chalk marks. Veils in the mind. Little agreements that we made not to see, not to know, not to feel, not to hear, not to love, not to bless. These little agreements we made are the veils in the mind that block the all good. Every encounter with our brother or sister is an opportunity to undo those agreements about the chalk marks. Uh, uh, if we if we have a, a thing against people of a certain whatever, Whatever. We don't like them because they're QAnon. We don't like them because they're Democrats. We don't like them because they're vaccinated or not vaccinated. We don't like them because they're Christian, Muslim, Jewish. We don't like them because they're from that town over there. We don't like them because their football team beat our football team. Whatever it is, it's chalk marks. Power and glory belong to God alone, so do you. God gives whatever belongs to God because God gives of himself and everything belongs to God. Giving of yourself is the function God gave you. Giving of yourself is the function God gave us. This is how we get to be made in the spiritual image and likeness of our Creator and acting that way. Jesus says, fulfilling it perfectly will let you remember what you have of God. And by this you will remember also what you are in God. You cannot be powerless to do this because this is your power. Glory is God's gift to you because that is what God is. See this glory everywhere to remember 
what you are. Isn't that beautiful? See this glory everywhere to remember what you are. This is how we invite holy relationships. You see someone that irks you, Holy Spirit, I see the opportunity for a holy encounter with this person that seems to irk me. Let me see God's glory in this person. Let me feel God's glory and power in my heart to love and embrace my brother and sister, to accept them fully, and to be the mirror to my brother and sister, that they are the beloved of the beloved as am I. And let me share and shine this glory everywhere to remember what I am, that I am that I am. This is my holy spiritual practice, inviting holy encounters and giving the Holy Spirit free passage in my awareness to cleanse my mind of all appearances. Yes. Oh my goodness, it's so good. Yes. Hey, I just want to remind you this month, I am the presenter in the presenter series through the Teachers of God Foundation. It's like 40 bucks. You get five sessions with me. We did the first one yesterday. It was awesome. I'm sharing deeply and personally, and I'd love for you to be there if you'd like to be a part of it. And uh, I'm, I've got a free forgiveness workshop coming up this month. I've got a forgiveness class, a three-part series coming up. We are opening registration for Masterful Living with all kinds of bonuses. And, oh, and it's my birthday month. Hello. It's just a month of really good stuff. <laughs> oh, and I'm at the Miracle Cafe at the end of November for you UK folks, although you can all join online. Oh, let's pray. So grateful and thankful for the love of God, the power of God, and the glory of God within us. We're willing to see it everywhere. In gratitude, we share the benefits with all. We let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Have a great rest of your week. Mwah.